0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and through his Son, your Savior, the Christ. Amen. The text appointed for our Tuesday morning chapel is the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 28th chapter. We read verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and so we know them to be the truth. We pray that you would strengthen and increase our faith through them. Amen. In the name of Jesus, you who are redeemed. The five-year-old boldly stares into his eight-year-old bossy sister's eyes and declares defiantly, You are not the boss of me. You're working on a group project for class. There's four of you on the group project, but one of the, one of the project members starts to dictate all of the what's and the when's and the where's of everything, and one of the group members pipes up and says, who died and made you king? Authority ends up being a rather pesky thing for our own flesh and blood. On the one hand, it's as if we're born with a keen sense for every time authority abuses us, We have like very sensitive antennas for it so that we could maybe even remember these things from 5 or 10 or 20 years gone by. And on the other hand, we're also very quick and eager to note every time that authority should have asserted itself for our benefit but seemed not to have. Above all, we're pretty sure that authority is in very good hands when those hands are our hands. Prove me wrong. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's some serious chutzpah that Jesus is declaring as he says this: not all lo- local authority, not all temple authority, not even all authority that resides only on the face of this earth, all authority in heaven. And on earth. What if we asked our favorite facetious question of Jesus with all of this chutzpah? Who died? Who died and made him king? Good question. St. Paul actually leads with this in Romans chapter 1 when he's meaning to catechize Christians. Jesus died. The one born of the seed of David, as has been long promised, Jesus died. God's Christ died. The one who completed in his very being, who filled up every prophecy that had been made of this Christ for centuries gone by. That one died. And the one who died was declared to be the son of God, the king, as he was raised again on the third day, as was promised. In this great commission passage, I, I would argue that there might not be a more familiar one to our ears in the whole New Testament. We remember the, the imperative words, the go and the make. They sound very authoritative and understandably so. But those imperative words only have any authority, they only carry any water because of the word that our our English eyes and ears tend to read right past because it's kind of Shakespearean. Go and make has to have therefore. It has to. Otherwise it has nothing to carry. Therefore establishes precisely who died. And also precisely who made the one who died king. The sinless one of God died. And the father who had him die for the sins of the world, for your sins, my rebellion against authority. The father raised him again and established him as the king. The one who is above all else. The one under whom all things reside. Right under his feet. Therefore... Go and make. And make disciples, make followers of all nations. Jesus is the Christ, the promised Savior of sinners. The Savior of you, but he is also the Savior of every person you have ever met, every person you know right now, and every person you will ever meet or won't ever meet. That's what it means for him to be the Christ. This means that the authority is better than any selective authority our own proud presumptions would apply. It means that this authority wouldn't pick who gets saved by this Christ like you and I might pick, te- pick teams or pick roommates and so forth. It means it's gracious enough that every person you could ever speak to is one for whom Christ bled and died. God be praised for that kind of universal authority. And the nations, the nations that are made followers, this doesn't happen like we see um, elections pictured for us on on the TV during any particular season where you watch a a county or a state tip toward a certain side because because of a majority. Actually, the nations points us to people. Not not geographic boundaries, but it points us to people, real people, flesh and blood people. So that the exercise of this authority doesn't require, it might involve, but it doesn't require that you or I have a passport or that we become fluent in a foreign language. It actually directs us to real flesh and blood people. And they don't have to be any farther away than the little people that live with me in my home. They don't have to be any farther away than the student people that sit in your classrooms or the dorm people that live with you in a room or in a dorm building. Jesus died, and the Father made him king, and therefore it means the authority to baptize and teach are wherever this one allocates that authority. Baptize and teach. The gospel has authority to apply truth and to, de- to teach it, to indoctrinate, if we use a big word. The gospel's authority, then, doesn't, it doesn't hide very well. It doesn't hide very well. It's not fit to sneak around almost as if one could sneak up behind somebody and, and baptize them into this name unawares. If you know, you know. Nor do we do well with this gospel and its authority if we mean to hide this power-filled word of Christ somewhere behind the the more palatable, the more easy-to-take things in this world, almost as if we could hide the gospel's authority, the Christ's authority in in medicine, behind some bubblegum flavor or something. Rather, this gospel authority asserts, It proclaims, as the word gospel has inherent in it, it proclaims the only name under heaven by which we, you and me, and every other flesh and blood human can be saved. Jesus died, and the Father made him king. Therefore, Jesus, this Christ, is with you always. He is with me always, the gospel of Jesus as the Christ brings with it the authority of an enduring comfort. One that can't go away, even if, we, even if we imagine it to be gone. It can't go away. The eternal Son from heaven is for you. The Son born of a woman is born under the law for you. This Son sacrificed, this one shedding his blood for your sins, For my sins, for the sins of the entire world, he is for you. The son raised from death and seated at his father's authoritative right hand is there for you. Therefore, he is the one with all authority, but his authority is a one that is for you. It is with you and for you, with me and for me. He is the one whose authoritative name Claims you out of sin and condemnation and places you powerfully. Places you into his family. It is his authority that declares you in spite of all of your sins. Declares me in spite of all of my guilt and my shame. Declares you forgiven with his authority. And it is with his authoritative promise that he supplies to his whole Christian church on earth. The promise of life and salvation, together with bread and wine. Behold, dear Christians, behold, the King who died for you, who died for you, is with you, always, to the very end of the age. In the name of Jesus, the Christ. Amen. Almighty God, since you have called your church to witness that in Christ you reconciled us to yourself, grant that by your Holy Spirit we may proclaim the good news of your salvation, that all who hear it may receive the gift of salvation. And this we pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, the one who lives and who reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.